When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Hello and welcome to another episode of We're Not Fucking Historians with myself, Hazel Hayes. And me, Shane Todd. Only you can see this. No uh, no dictator mug for me this week, just a, a good old Starbucks mug. <laughs> I don't know what's worse, honestly. I mean, last week it was communism. This week it's, I guess, capitalism. Yeah, um, I had... <laughs> I had <laughs> see um, what, what we come up with next week. <laughs> I had too many emails from the South Korean government saying, listen, <laughs> if you're going to show Kim, you've got to show us. And they tried to send me a load of merch, so I just decided to get out of the, the fascist Yeah, just get um, out quick, just get out quick. Game. <laughs> Alrighty, so this week we are talking about someone I really had no idea about beforehand. Um, his Samantha name Mumba. is. It was Samantha. No, but I sorry, really want to get Smumba on. I really want to get her on. <laughs> I feel like we can do it. Um, Colonel Thomas Blood is his name. The first thing I'm going to say about Colonel Thomas Blood, and then I think that kind of just sets the, the tone for like the whole episode, is he wasn't a colonel. Right. Well, why is he calling himself that? He is a self-named colonel. Like he never, he was, he was in the military. He never rose to that rank. And somehow he's gone down in the history books as Colonel Thomas Blood, apparently. Like the the fried chicken fella? Uh, Yes, yes. A lot like him. I can't imagine he actually was appointed that rank. I don't know. You'd find it hard to believe because he was probably, he was, there's no way he had enough hours in the day to think about strategic (laughs) battles and also... How to make chicken. chicken look like popcorn, you know? So if he was, <laughs> totally he'd quite terrible. Totally true. So this guy's a bit of a scoundrel. As you can tell off the bat, he's a bit mm-hmm. duplicitous. He's a bit, we, we can't quite figure him out. Bit of a shady character. He is most famous for trying to steal uh, the crown jewels. It is it is pretty much the only known attempt um, of someone trying to steal the crown jewels in history now I'm sh- maybe other people have attempted it and they just haven't even got far enough that like it's been it's been worth reporting on. I'm going he to London got- tomorrow. I'm going to try it. Yeah, give it a go. Give it a go. Yeah. Another Irishman giving it a go. <laughs> he got pretty far. He got pretty okay. far. So we're gonna we're gonna get to that in the end. He was born in 1618, so this is around the time we're living in. He's the son of a blacksmith who owned land in three different counties in Ireland. His grandfather was a member of Irish Parliament, but he was of English descent. So already we're dealing with someone. He, he's he's quite he's living with quite a prosperous family. I think he grew up in like a, a castle or a mansion. Sure. Um, his father owns land. He's pretty well to do. Is he a historical baller? Yeah. Class. Like I, I, I think that. I probably will call him. I think by the end of the episode you'll certainly be calling him that. Oh, that's what I'm calling my next stand-up show: historical baller. <laughs> historical baller. Wonderful. Um, he went to school in England. So there's also this whole thing about like, was he Irish? Like at heart, you know, you're going to find out there's quite a lot of weird shit going on. I say he tried to steal the crown jewels and I guess we immediately think like baller Republican move. I'm not sure where his allegiances lay though. He married a lady named Maria Holcroft. She was the daughter of an MP, British MP called John Holcroft. She sounds sexy. Can I just say that? Maria Holcroft. I thought so. You know, like, um, 
You know, like uh, Elizabeth Hurley and Austin Parsh. Yes. You know that kind of. Which vibe? is really weird because that hasn't come up in conversation for a while. Except last night, me and my friends talked extensively about Elizabeth Hurley and Austin Powers and her role in that. And now today, it's it's come up again, and it's so weird. I, I thought you were going to so say. Weird. Coincidentally, Colonel Blood's catchphrase was "Yeah, baby." Yeah, baby. <laughs> Which I would have really liked. <laughs> Great. He's just, we've done that thing again where a character's become someone. So for the rest of the story, he's just, he's, he's going to be Porsche. just like slightly Camp Austin Powers yeah. spy, 60 spy type vibe. Can I just say, before we move on, can I just say a quick RIP to mini me? Party hard up there, brother. Do I have to do ooh again? I do that most weeks. What's that? Ooh. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I thought some monks were about to get killed. Oh, those are very similar noises. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so fair. Okay, so... He marries sexy Maria Holcroft, daughter of an MP. Probably wasn't that sexy. They live in Ireland together until 1642, at which point the English Civil War breaks out. Blood, he goes back to England to support Charles I, okay? So you've got Charles I, you've got Cromwell. Boo. I mean, boo both of them, but Cromwell was particularly awful. Blood decides this is a good opportunity for him. He goes back to England to support Charles I, who's fighting against Cromwell. Boo, boo Cromwell. We don't like Cromwell at all. We don't like either of them. All the Brits are pricks at this point, but Cromwell was particularly nasty. Um, Big shit. Yeah. So Blood was a royalist, and for Cromwell, he was put in charge of a bunch of, like, spies and basically used this position to play both sides for profit. He's another one of these characters. Fingers in pies. Fingers in multiple pies he's like what can i be getting out of this there's a war people are dying a lot of shit going on but how can i be profiting from it so what he does is he sort he sort of work on both sides and eventually when it becomes clear that charles is not going to win he switches sides smart (laughs) very smart so he just starts supporting cromwell now and because he was kind of pies it was quite easy to do that's a good move. Like, see any yeah. team that win the English Premier League? I just start supporting them. Yeah, there are those people, aren't there, who just sort of like... Me, yeah. just sort of pick and choose. Yeah, because no one can stop you doing it. That's what people get really annoyed at. They're like, you can't <laughs> just do that. I'm like, you can't. You can't, absolutely. It must get expensive buying all those jerseys, though, every year. Yeah, um, I'm I'm also like that with uh, with politics. Like, whatever, whoever's PM, I just get well behind them. <laughs> Currently big fan of Boris. Oh, big, but I like Kim Jong-un and Boris Johnson. They're my two favourite things. Just two good guys. Similar size of heads. Anyway, sorry. (laughs) Without big, big fat heads. They do both have Maybe there's a correlation. Yeah. Do a lot of of leaders throughout history have big fat heads? I don't know. It's for, that's for another episode. The big fat heads episode. Maybe email us, let us know. (laughs) (laughs) The war ends in 1653. Blood goes back to Ireland. He has been given a load of land from Cromwell, you know, for his efforts. Uh, Cromwell dies, so does Charles, and Charles II becomes king again. He regains power and then he seizes all of Blood's assets. So he's like, oi, you fought against my father in the war. Give us that fucking land back. I See, you say Cromwell's such a bad guy, but from what I hear, he's, he's hooking the boys up. Yeah, there were sort of a lot of atrocities. I know he hooked a couple same... guys up as well. Yeah, but he's he's taking care of the he's taking care of the mates. You know what I mean? He's like, here, there's a bit of lamb for you, player. If if you sort me out, so you know, 
It's real. It's real OG mafia shit, isn't it? It's a bit like going, you know, you're going to stag do with him. You don't really know him before you go. You see yeah. him in a bar like six months later. He's like, here, there's a pint. You know, because we bonded Cromwell. on that stag. Yeah, this and this okay. is, yeah. And this is the equivalent. He's like, you you supported me in war. Here's some land. Kick these people yeah. off. it. Kick these peasants yeah. off. No, no, I hear you. I hear you. I do. Yeah. It's just that what we're doing is... We- I'm not sure if you know. We're doing an Irish history podcast. Yeah, but yeah, but he's, and he's one of the worst guys. But I'm just saying, generous to his, to his boys. I just don't know that I can get behind the support of Cromwell on this particular podcast. Yeah, maybe on our up the Brits one. Right. Different maybe story. I need to hear the rest of what you're going to say before I decide. Because in my head at the minute, he's just a good guy. Well, look, Cromwell's dead at this point. There, he's a whole other story, and maybe we oh, go shit. into that in a different episode. But for the sake of blood, Cromwell's gone now. Okay, he's, yeah. He's just dead. Gave him some land. And then Charles's kid, Charles II, who one wonders, was Charles I called Charles I when it was just him? Or was it like then Prob- when Charles II Probably came not. They, it's like you don't call a film like, you know, Austin Powers 1. Exactly. Like Star Wars was just Star Wars. Yeah. Until there was another one. Yeah. Okay, good. Glad we sorted that out. So basically... With all his assets being seized, he's pretty pissed off. So he decides to unite the remaining Cromwellians. He concocts a mad scheme, which is kind of his thing. We're gonna we're gonna learn. He concocts a mad scheme. In 1663, he storms Dublin Castle and he tries to kidnap this guy called James Butler, who's the Duke of Ormond, also called Lord Ormond. Lots of names. I'd like to just call him Jimmy, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. Fair, yeah. Brilliant. I'm not entirely sure what his beef was with Jimmy Ormond. Jimmy Butler, whatever the fuck his name was. But he wanted to kidnap him. And I think probably like use him for ransom to get the right. government to give his shit back. Right, get you, get you. Also, can I just quickly point out, Jimmy Ormond is Donnie's brother, so... <laughs> And now he's cast as that. Great. Now that's who's in my head. So we've got Austin Powers on one side, Jimmy Ormond on the other. Brilliant. So (laughs) that's his plan, except he got caught like the night before they figured it out. And him and his his mates just have to do a runner. Again, there's a pattern to this. Right. There's mad schemes, does a runner. And this, and this just, this like lather, rinse, repeat over and over. No one's calling him on his shit. (laughs) <laughs> just doesn't feel like he has that true best friend there to say mate this yeah. is bullshit he needs yeah. a little Samwise Gamgee I think doesn't yeah. have one so he does a runner and apparently he avoided capture by wearing all sorts of different disguises which is my favourite bit of the story because I feel like this is the part of the film where we do the montage yes He's trying stuff on. His mates are sitting in the waiting area. He's like, what do you think of this? Uh, yeah. Pulling back the curtain. Yeah. Like a bit of, bit of Whitney Houston on. Yeah, 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 yeah. So dressed up as all sorts of things, including, but not limited to, a Quaker mm-hmm. and a priest, which is fun because he hated Catholics. Right. Some in- internalised priest lover. Who fucking knows? So he lies low in the Netherlands for a while he makes friends with some people there who don't particularly like the Brits. And the same thing keeps happening. He pops up, something happens, he goes back into hiding. Um, one of the instances was his friend had been captured by the Brits. So he freed him. And then before he could be captured, 
goes back into hiding, puts on his, his silly priest disguise again, I guess. He got up to so many dumb schemes that when the Great Fire of London <laughs> broke out, people just assumed he started it. <laughs> right. That's how you know. That's how you know you're a yeah. fucking idiot. Yeah. When the Great Fire of London happens and they go, don't worry about an investigation. It's bound yeah. to be this tool. Probably that fucking blood character. He's always up to something. Hands stinking of petrol. Absolutely stinking. Eventually, despite being one of the most wanted men in England, he comes back in 1670 and pretends to be a doctor uh, by the name of Aloff. Mm-hmm. And he just lived in Romford in East London for a while, going by the name Aloff, oh, yeah. being a doctor. It's a bit like the plot of Catch Me If You Can. Yeah. Yeah, Aloff was also definitely the place he stayed in, Holland. You know, and he's like, I'll just use that. So, but during this time, he's still pissed at Jimmy Ormond for not getting kidnapped, I guess. Yeah. Like, I, I still don't know what the beef was. Jimmy Ormond's getting such a hard time here for just trying to go about his business. <laughs> yeah, he, he, I don't know what the connection was to this man or why the fuck he wanted to kidnap him so bad. But it was still bothering him. So Thomas Blood took it upon himself to kidnap the guy again. He staked out his house. He figured out that like he would come back at a certain time every evening with a couple of fat men or whatever. So he decides at this point to kidnap him. Or like, I don't know if he was going to kill him. None of his schemes ever go to plan. So we're never going to know what the outcome was supposed to be. But yeah, he attacks him late one night. He almost gets away. I think he like has him on his horse with him and he's like trying to get away. And he just he just gets stopped. <laughs> Can I just say, in my head, Jimmy Ormond is, you know, Hans Moleman from The Simpsons? Why? But yes, but why? Because he just seems so like vulnerable and he's just always people just trying to kidnap him. And at one point yeah. when he said he was on a horse, I just picture him like all frail, just not able oh. to do anything. Just, just mildly yeah. complaining. He's just a sad little character who he's doesn't wet, know why this is he's happening. He's a wet sop. Yeah, little wet sop. Anyway, he, he doesn't get away with it. And at this point, he's just really quite embarrassed because all his plans keep not going to plan. He's made a holy show of himself. So in an attempt to reclaim his reputation, I don't even, I don't know if he even had a reputation to reclaim. He didn't. I guess, I guess, right, back in the war when he was like spy extraordinaire and he was playing both sides, bit of a wheeler dealer, maybe at that point in his career, he was sort of, he had a name for himself and he was maybe known as like, he's the guy you go to. He's got the family name. He's like Rob Kardashian. You know, he's got the... <laughs> I was like, who's Rob Kardashian? He, he, in got my it. head, he is Rob Kardashian. He, you know, he's got the family name. His sisters are all doing really well. He comes from that sort of lineage yeah yeah but what's he doing for himself nothing no nothing of note and he keeps trying but he just keeps failing so badly so in an effort to fix this i guess he decides in all his wisdom to steal the crown jewels go big or go home i like the attitude you know what fair play and I is going pretty big, isn't it? If you're going to steal anything, like it's the ultimate heist. Oh, do you think he started off at first being like, look, why don't we steal some Air Jordans out of Foot Locker? He's living in Romford, he could easily get to the Westfield Centre. And his mates are like, yeah, you could do that if you want, you know, if you're if you're a pussy or whatever. And then he's straight away gone from Foot Locker to the Crown Jewels. I 
genuinely think that is what happened. Although, yeah. if you'll recall in our in our previous episode, I called Foot Locker Shoebox. That's so right. That's all you did. I could think about the entire time you told that you story. You did. Yeah. So yeah, maybe like Shoebox was like the starting rung on the ladder, and then he he's really gone to the top rung here. Yeah. The crown jewels, and it's not just a grab and go, Shane. He's gonna play the long con. I love a long con. And we're going to find out how he did that after these messages. Please tell me he's going to seduce the Queen. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to We're Not Fucking Historians. We are learning all about Colonel Thomas Blood today, who attempted to steal the crown jewels, and we're going to find out how. Shane, you reckon he seduced the queen? Yeah, you said to steal the crown jewels, he like he played the long game. So I'm thinking, is he trying to is he trying to get his way in with the royal family to the point where they would just say, like, do you want to have a look at these jewels? You know, maybe of a yeah, of a Wednesday yeah. or a Thursday night. You know, they're just like you know coming. It's it's like when you get the note. Maybe you have a girlfriend whose dad owns a business. Maybe he owns a Greg's. Eventually, he's probably going to say to you, "Listen, big shooter, you want to come and see how we make these pastries?" And then you could theoretically just take one. What's weird is Shane, you're not far off. <laughs> <laughs> That's not not what happened. I will just say there wasn't a queen at the time. It was Charles II. Uh-oh. Um, which is obviously okay cuz love is love. You can seduce you whoever the fuck, you know, you want. But that's it isn't what happened, but your your scheme is not a million miles off. To see, to see the crown jewels, he's going to have to see some other crown jewels. Hey oh There's nice. the tagline. I want that in the tagline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I want that in the tagline. He's gonna have to touch his dick. Yeah, but we knew we understood the <laughs> Some <days>. people didn't. Who? <laughs> 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 if if someone listening didn't understand that, stop listening now. I don't I yeah. don't want you listening to this podcast. Okay, so at the time, right, the crown jewels and we're talking about the actual crown jewels, and it is a euphemism, and every time I say it, I do obviously think of dick and balls. And you can't not it is what it is. Dick and balls sound like an early naughty's garage act. <laughs> the reason I 
I've got dick and balls, specifically that phrase in my head. I went to karaoke recently with a friend of mine in New York. His name is Dom Farah, and he does a special song. Every time we do karaoke, he sings Karma Chameleon. Nice. But he replaces every, every line with... Suck a suck a suck a suck a suck a my dick and balls, my dick and balls, and it just goes on. It's just two straight minutes, and mm-hmm. by the end, he is like crooning into the mic every possible variation of that. See, I, I don't like that he's ruined a classic. <laughs> you know? But made it better. Do you not think? No, no, no you have no, to no, be no. there next time we go. I'm going to bring you along. I guarantee you. I guarantee you'll be on the mic with him by the end of the song. I'm a, can I just say this before we get back into it and this won't make it I'm a purist I like Boy George and if he wants he can cheer Meteor Radiator <laughs> I don't think he's doing that anymore it's all good wait was he doing that to people with their consent <laughs> oh, oh he was doing it but there was no consent oh that's not okay no 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 stop no. it George if you're listening okay go ahead, go ahead don't be doing that I think just no I'd like to clear up Chain people to radiators by all means if they're into it. (laughs) No consent, no chains. That's what my grandmother always said. Yeah. Okay. And if you're going to do it, make sure the radiator's off, for God's sake. (laughs) That's how 90% of household accidents happen. (laughs) That's how the fire in London started. (laughs) (laughs) None to do it, Thomas Blood. Back to the actual crown jewels. At the time, Shane, they were stored in a basement room in the Tower of London and their keeper was a guy by the name of Talbot Edwards. He's an elderly ex-soldier. What a lovely mm, man. Great casting. Probably for, killed for a that lot one. of Irish people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but sure, we're rolling with it. So he was allowed to supplement his wages by taking people on tours of the crown jewels. They, they would pay and he would do them a little tour around around the tower. Asking for trouble, but okay. I completely 100% agree, but that's that's what, what was happening. So from here on in, here comes the heist, right? I just imagine all this was like the Ocean's Eleven music and then we'll do Claire de Lune at the end, but this one is like heist music, okay. Early 1671, Blood dresses up as a parson which I think is some kind of priest. It's a vegetable, no parsnip. Parson. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant he, he dresses dressed up. No, he dresses up as a parsnip. Yeah. And he hires an actress <laughs> to pose as his wife, presumably Mrs. Parsnip. She's also in an outfit, but she's got a little lippy on and a wig. Yeah. So they ask Talbot for a viewing, and while they're walking around, having a little look at the crown jewels and everything, his wife takes ill, as as women do. You know, we, bitches Hand be against the forehead. Hand oh. against the forehead. Oh. Yeah, other such noises. That was more of a ghost than a woman finding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, Talbot being the nice guy that he is, he invites them up to his apartment so that she can she can rest for a bit and, and recover. That's not why he invited them up, but let's move on. There's so many crown jewels jokes to be made. There's just so many. I don't, we can't even make. We don't have time. So, phase one complete. A few days later, Blood goes back to just give him a little gift. Here you go, Talbot. Thank you so much for looking after my wife the other day. Very, very kind of you. And he meets Talbot's wife and he starts to develop a bit of a friendship with them. Mm-hmm. And then the four of them get together for dinner. And this sort of keeps going on and he, he starts to really build trust and build a friendship with these people who he's kind of visiting over a long period of time. 
Did someone say charcuterie board? <laughs> I think they did. A few little grapes, lovely. So eventually, over the course of the conversation one night, they're talking about their their unmarried daughter. Such such a problem. Such such a trouble. Their unmarried daughter. God forbid she be unmarried. But blood suggests that his nephew might be a good match for her. And they say, cool, let's meet with the guy. Then on May 9th, 1671, Blood arrives at the Tower of London with four associates. He's got his son, Thomas, who's going to pose as the nephew, who's maybe going to marry the daughter. He's got Robert Perrish, Richard Hallowell, and William Smith. Will Smith. Oh my God, I didn't even (laughs) notice. Yeah, Will Smith's there. Watch out. Each man comes armed with daggers, pistols, and then Blood, who's still dressed as a parson, because this whole time he's been pretending to be one, although we're not 100% sure. In my head, a parsnip, but sure. He's a parson. He's still dressed as a parsnip. And he had like a wooden mallet concealed inside his robes. They go in, they chat for a while. And then eventually he says, you know what, we might as well just, should we go have a look at the crown jewels? You know, just while we're here, I've got my nephew here. It'd be crazy not to when they're literally there. Fucking mad not to, right? He's come all this way. Let's go have a little look at the crown jewels. And poor old Talbot, gobshite that he is, he happily obliges. He takes them all downstairs. And the second he unlocks the door, he's ambushed by blood and the lads who stuff a gag in his mouth. They throw a sack over his head. And then when he fights back, Blood just beats him with the mallet that he brought. Mm. Which, not you, ideal. You talk about kick a man when he's down. Obviously, Will Smith right. slapped him, though. Obviously, you got a slap in the meantime. That joke will work for about another week. Colonel Blood just beats the shit out of this poor old man, who I, I do feel very sorry for. He also stabbed him in the belly. That I mean, of all the places to do, that's just rude. In the belly. Yeah, Don't do it on the stab foot. People in the fucking belly, in the foot at least, and he's just sort of he can't get up. But yeah, they have the crown jewels. They can get away with them, but they are very obviously the crown jewels, right? Yes, like yeah. they need to disguise them somehow. So, Blood's using his mallet to like flatten down the crown. They're just bashing it down, trying to make it into like a more of a plate type shape. Um. His son, <laughs> apparently, started sawing the state scepter in half. An image I just find very funny. I'm not entirely sure why. Um, <laughs> on one website, it said, Parrot stuffed the golden royal orb down his pants. Is it a wee bit like a Christmas when you have too much Amazon packaging and you and all your relatives are standing on it trying to fold it into a bin? <laughs> <laughs> your dad's like it'll go it'll go you're like it's not we're gonna have to go to the dump with this you trust me you're literally we'll hopping in. in the wheelie bin yeah. like jumping on it trying to yeah I yeah. imagine it's very similar to that, that type of situation yeah <laughs> they're nearly there right they've got all the stuff ready they're about to leave this next bit you couldn't write at this exact moment Hallowell who's he's just waiting with the horses doing a lookout he bursts into the room and says that Talbot's son why he's a soldier who was off on duty he has unexpectedly returned home this actually happened and he's upstairs in the apartment looking for his dad so the guys have to just gather whatever they can and run as fast as they can but the second that they leave Talbot's there he gets the gag off and he starts screaming for help letting everyone know that the crown jewels are being stolen apparently he said treason 
The crown is stolen. Which is very dramatic. Like, I feel like I'd just be like, how? I would have been like, I've been stabbed in the fucking belly. Been fucking stabbed! Yeah, way more important. Fuck's sake! Yeah. And they made it all the way to their horses before they were captured, which is the first, the furthest anyone's ever got. Like, fair play. Yeah. But they did get captured. Blood and his mates get imprisoned. And this next bit's just, it just gets weirder and weirder. So they're in prison and Blood insists on speaking only with the king, Charles II. He says, I won't speak to anyone but Charles II. I don't know why they didn't just fucking behead him. Like, I'm not sure what's happening here. Yeah, law but, law but loaf of. <laughs> loaf of is great. So he says, I need to speak to the king. And he agreed. So they met up. No one knows exactly what went on in that room. All we do know is that our boy Tommy Blood left there with not only a pardon for all of his crimes, but also land back in Ireland worth 500 pounds a year. He must have had dirt. He must have had a little bit of goss going into that. He's got to have had something. Well, either that or he has a very particular set of skills. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That would get my vote. Like, I mean, how? there's no way you can talk yourself out of it. It wasn't something he said, was it? No. Maybe, maybe like, yeah, maybe when he was there, maybe Talbot let slip, like, oh, he's a real big, the King's a real big James Morrison fan or something, you know, or like, oh, he, <laughs> he, he, you know, he loves, like, the Lighthouse family or someone yeah. like that. Some say that Blood told the King all about his adventures and the King just really enjoyed hearing about them. Uh, there's a version in which Tommy told the king that he'd once been hired to assassinate him and had uh, found him, they're always bathing, found him bathing in a fucking lake somewhere or some shit and he had the mullet aimed at him um, but he didn't go through with it because he was so in awe of his majesty. Mm -hmm. So he may have spared him because he said that he spared the king at one point. I don't know whether I would believe that from someone just trying to be pardoned. He might have agreed to let him go so he could keep using him as a double agent. That feels potentially realistic because he had all these connections. Mm -hmm. So let him go back to Ireland and keep keep him on the payroll. Or it's even been suggested that the king himself was in on the heist. I like that, but have we considered, I don't know, speaking of films, if you've seen Face Off starring Nicolas Cage and John Travolta? We could do an entire episode on Face Off, can we? Please, I love it but so much. What are you much. thinking what I'm thinking? They think Blood just walked out of there with a <gasps> but pardon. it's him who's left. Mm-hmm. At the end of that movie, John Travolta comes home with Nick Cage's kid. And he's like, we're keeping this kid now to replace our dead kid who Nick Cage killed. And then the kid's like, I'm Adam. And everyone's like, cool, Adam, welcome to the family. Anyway, <laughs> so, but possible, maybe the king was in on it and it was the old collect the insurance scam. Love that. And keep the jewels. Yeah, run the jewels. So that was it. He got away with it. He spent his golden years working as an informant. He just loved it. He just loved it so much that he couldn't give it up. Uh, a spy and an enforcer for the crown, which does support the theory that he was let go to work for Charles. Um, by the time he died in 1680, <laughs> infirmed and deeply in debt, it says, his reputation for duplicity was so well established <laughs> that the authorities exhumed his corpse, corpse to make sure he hadn't faked his own death. <laughs> 
I mean, I uh, <laughs> see. You know, you say that definitely, definitely, he was the double agent. I think so. He was I the first tout. Have we talked about the word tout? Do they have the word tout down south? We have talked about the word tout, and he's I thought you sell tout. tickets outside of a gig. And oh, you told me it was someone yes. who rats on people. Yeah, he's like, uh, that's that's how the king, the king and him came to an agreement. He was a, he was a tight, and the king's like, who, who can you get tickets for? Can you get any James Morrison tickets? And he said, oh, I can sort you out with a couple of James Morrison tickets. That's the agreement they made. I like that story a lot. I didn't know anything about Colonel Blood. Uh, I like that he isn't a colonel. Uh, yeah, me too. And that was really good. Thank you. There's a lot that in that fun. story. There's a lot of... Uh, did he, didn't he? You know, and 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 yeah. all the answers are he did. He definitely did. <laughs> he did, but he didn't really. <laughs> Whatever you think he did. He tried. He did it. He definitely <laughs> he did. did it. He tried to do it, probably, is the answer. Yeah. All right, we have an email from Kate in Somerset. Uh, by the way, if you want to send an email in, it's hello at nothistorians.com. Not you, Hazel. It'd be weird if you did. Just send it in the WhatsApp Do you know what group. I'm going to? Just because yeah. you said that. We're, we're we're on all the socials Hazel Hay she and Todd you'll find us but Kate from Somerset gets in touch she says hello Hazel on the bone man which I like because it makes me sound like a really shit rag and bone man tribute act <laughs> I think it makes you sound like a kind of a weird serial killer yeah, yeah the bone man <laughs> the bone man or like I'm so skinny I'm just known as the bone man I love your podcast and I've listened to every episode uh, thank you very much I mentioned the Ned Kelly episode to my Australian stepmom when my stepbrother interjected and said and will I do the voice yeah you can still yes, do it can I be cancelled 100% yeah. didn't our family own the hotel he was shot in as it turns out yes my stepmom's family are direct descendants let me repeat that direct descendants of the Keirs K-E-I-R-S who owned the Glen Rowan Hotel where Ned Kelly was killed. This info happens to have reached me the day after I walked past an almost full sheep skeleton in Wales whilst walking my dog. (laughs) Apologies to Shane as I did not think to nick any ribs or anything. Now, that is so far in all the emails we've got. We've got a load of emails um, in the last few months. That's my favourite email. Kate, I love that. And I love the, the bigger story in that is that you passed an entire sheep skeleton when you're walking your dog and your first thought was me. Isn't that mad, Shane? That we live in a it's universe nuts. now yeah. where sometimes <laughs> a human being passes an animal carcass and thinks <laughs> Shane would have loved that. And yeah, we Kate, did that. Kate, thanks. <laughs> uh, you know, you've done us a massive favour with that info, but do me a favour, go back and see if it's still there. Oh yeah, 100% go back. What are you doing? <laughs> Mine is from Andrew. Oh, Andrew was in touch before about giving you uh, fox bones. Yes. Do you remember this? They're in uh, his parents' attic. All right, I'll be around in, in <laughs> Oh my minutes. God, I'm kind of scared. Okay, so Andrew says, Hey, Hazel and Shane. It's me, your local fox bone dealer. Great. <laughs> Firstly, Shane, the offer is still on the table for some fox bony goodness. So, you know, I recently got engaged and I'm not sure the now fiancé will want a fox skeleton in our house. But anyway. <laughs> divorce. <laughs> that is grounds for divorce. I mean, if I've ever heard it, you move in with the guy and he's got just a full fox skeleton in his fucking attic. She sounds unreasonable, but go ahead. <laughs> uh, my uncle used to have a DeLorean. Oh, God, he had it spray-painted red for an homage to the fact that he liked Ferraris, which is fucking brilliant. Um, And the body was rusting in areas, so he had to preserve it. Stainless steel body, my arse. 
He sold it a few years ago, so sorry I can't be of service for DeLorean delivery. However, they're worth around 85k. He sold his for 15. Oh. Might have to go laugh at him for that one, so thanks for the information. Oh. Maybe because he spray painted it red and it was rusting. Yeah, he's wrecked it. He's <laughs> like, wrecked it, I'm but not... I'll take I'll 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 spend 15k on a red DeLorean. Not a bother. You could scrape it off. You threw in the bones and you got yourself a deal. Nice. Full yeah. fox skeleton or just part? Um, it'd be weird if it was just a part. I want the whole thing. It would I only thought be we were assembling. I thought we were making a Frankenstein's oh, bone right. collection type sitch. That's right. That's right. Well, look, yeah. I, let, let me think of what I want to put together. Okay. I'll, blue, I'll, I'll blueprint something. Uh, just to reiterate, the email is hello at nothistorians.com. Here's a great episode. Thanks for listening, everyone. And remember, until next time, we're not fucking historians. We're Not Fucking Historians is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. We're not fucking historians. We're not fucking historians. It's a Stack production. I'm Mark O'Kite. I'm Mark O'Kite. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com.